Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. This morning, I wanted to, to pause. We're going to stop before we just jump into our fall plans. I want to take a, just a pause, uh, just to stop and think about why we exist. Why for us? Why, why did we start this church? Why do we gather as God's people? Why do we create this community? In part, I wanted to do this because if we don't have this in mind, if we don't have in mind why, why the church exists, then we can easily get sidetracked. We can get lost in empty religious duty. We can lose our purpose. And so, for us as a community, and if you, and also want to share this for you, if you're here for the first time, I just want, want you to know why the vine, this church, exists. Because when, when you, if you haven't stopped and thought about it, it's a little bit odd what we do as a community, like this worship service. I mean, once a week, we gather in, a, in like for an hour and have a big sing-along, right? And then you sit and you listen for like 25 to 30 minutes to hear some person talk about some ancient book. Most Sundays we come over here, we get a piece of bread and juice like we're in preschool. And then we get super excited, super excited if someone wants to be dunked in water. For us, it's a horse trough, which is even weirder. Like what we do in worship is weird. And we do it all in a middle school auditorium, which makes it even weirder, right? Like, why middle school? Out of all the most traumatic places in many of our lives, really worship in a middle school? Uh, it's the last place I'd want to be. But here we are, and we worship here, and it's meaningful. So what is the purpose of our gathering? What is the purpose of church? I just want to suggest that the purpose of gathering, the purpose of us being a church is simply to remember who we are. In this time, we remember who we are. And there's something really important to that. Because I think we all can easily have a spiritual amnesia in life. And something will happen one day, and you'll look around and go, I think I've lost myself. Or even a community, you can stop and go, I think we've lost ourselves. When I first moved to Austin, I moved to Austin in 2005, so that was 13 years ago. I moved here, and I took a job to work with UT students at a church uh, in, in West Austin. And so I never really spent much time at UT. I went to A&M, and then I went to Baylor for grad school, and so UT was always like, yeah, we need a lot of pastors at UT. Decrepit place that it is. No, I, uh, I love Austin, so I always wanted to live here, and I found this job doing college ministry, and I said, you know, I, I love Austin. A lot of my friends went to UT. I've been here for some, but I haven't really spent much time on campus. For the, so for the first day on job, I decided to spend all day doing one thing. I grabbed a camera, and I decided all day long to interview UT students. You know, I went to uh, the, the, you know, the campus and just interviewed, stopped random students, said, hey, I'm doing an interview. I'm doing like a survey. Would you mind if I, you know, ask you a couple questions? They said most of the time, yes, that's fine. And uh, they asked two questions all day long, scores of college students. The first question was this. 
what comes to mind when you think of the church? Because I just wanted to know, like, for people who are here in Austin, these students who I'm going to try to serve and care for, what do they think of when they think of the church? And it was crazy how I had the same five answers over and over and over again. And you probably know what they might be. So why don't you just kind of guess? What do you think those five answers would be? Judgmental? Hypocritical? You guys are great, like Family Feud. Bam! First answer, yeah. (laughs) Judgmental? Hypocritical? When they think of the church, what do they think of? Republican? That's what they think of when they think of church. Divided, which was an interesting thing for me. And the last one was homophobic. When they think of the church, this is what UT students had in mind. Which for me was incredibly heartbreaking. Like that's the first response is, this is who I think the church is. And the thing that was the most heartbreaking was, guess what one word I'd never heard when people were asked, what do you think of when you think of church? Jesus. Yeah, like the purpose of why we gather. We, you know, it's Jesus. The, the very the point of our existence is Jesus. And so, like, for all these students, they have these experiences and depictions of the church void of J- Jesus, which, like, should be the first thing that people think of when they think of the church. They should think of, oh, yeah, they're, they're the people who follow Jesus. They're the people who, who say they know and they love Jesus. They make Jesus known. But for scores of students, the church was known absent of Jesus. So the second question I asked, I didn't even anticipate this, but the second question I asked the students was, all right, so what comes to mind when you think of Jesus? And guess the answers for that. Love. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. What's that? Profit? Oh, profit. Yeah, I thought you meant like money profit. Like make it rain. <laughs> yeah. No, it was like, it was, yes, he was a prophet. Some people said, yeah, a good teacher. So a lot of people said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any thought when it comes to Jesus. Which is why the church exists. <laughs> For those who know Jesus, they would say, like, oh, grace and mercy, forgiveness, um, you know, over, these messages over and over again. A lot of students, they, did, had, they had no picture of Jesus. And so for me, like, for that first day being here in Austin, and it still runs through my passions, and I know for our church, the purpose for our church is we exist to make a direct line from Jesus to Jesus' people, the church, people who exist to make Jesus known. Like, this is the point of us gathering. This is the point for us to put a hand in the middle together and say, we are going to seek to make Jesus known here in Austin. We're going to hopefully bring Jesus' kingdom to this place as much as we can. We're going to join hands with churches all over this city, hopefully to make Jesus known so that when people are asked, what comes to mind when you think of the church, they would go, That's where Jesus is known. This is where Jesus is experienced. That is the the reason why we gather. And this was incredibly formative for me. We exist to make Jesus known. 
So when you ask the question, so why did the vine, why did y'all start the vine? We started the vine to make Jesus known. That's the purpose. This is not some crazy, unique purpose to other churches. We just feel called and compelled to join in on that. And so that is why we're doing this. But we can easily forget that. A church planner by the name of Paul, he wrote a lot of different letters to different church plants, just like us, but just, you know, 2,000 years ago. And in these letters, Paul often would try to come up with imagery and, and pictures to remind the church of who they were and why they existed. Sometimes Paul would say, hey, you as a church, you, you're like a body. And when one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body needs to know it. You, this is who you are. You're a church. Another time he would say, your church, you're like a building that's being built, and it's, it's, it's being built, but the cornerstone is Jesus. If the cornerstone's not there, the, the foundation is it's unsettled. The building might be big and strong, but it's going to topple. But in this one letter he wrote to a church in Corinth, in second, uh, this letter called 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, he, he gave another picture of who the church was and why the church existed. He says this, you... This is, in, if you were to know the language, this is not a singular you, it's a y'all in Texan, right? Y'all, y'all show yourself, show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The church exists to be a letter written by Jesus, this is what Paul's saying, and I, this is what I think is still true for us. We exist to be a letter written by Jesus, not written down on tablets or written down on paper, but written within the depths of who you and I are. And when we gather together, that we could be a demonstration of a letter that Jesus has written for the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son to this place to suffer and to die with us and for us, to be raised again for, to life so that we might have hope. So that the letter of Jesus, this work and this power, this life that Jesus had, could be written in the hearts and souls of people and communities so that the same story of Jesus' love could be known in, in throughout this world in Austin. So let me reread this, this passage. You, the vine, the vine church, show that you are a love letter from Christ to this world, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This is so important. This is why we gather. We gather to remember that is who we are, that in this sacred space, in this hour, even though it's in a middle school auditorium, even in this place, we remember who we are. We praise Jesus in worship because he has saved us, and he's not done being a savior. We study God's word to wake up to our purpose and to our, our identity. We pray prayers of confession to remember though we are broken, we are more deeply loved and accepted and brought into the love of God. We take communion to remember that we are still hungry and thirsty for mercy and grace. And we do all of this, and somehow in a mysterious way, God's Spirit is writing this letter in us 
so that through us this letter could be known in our community. And what makes this crazy to me, what makes me like just, just blown away is that this letter is vast. It's incredibly diverse. It has a deep, long story. This letter of Christ is bigger than this little church. The letter of Jesus is vast. This Sunday, millions and millions of people are gathering around the world to do what we're doing. In their own language, in their own culture, they are sharing their prayers, they're reading the scriptures, they're singing praises to their Savior. Just take a second to imagine this. Throughout the world, in every language, in every culture, people are thanking Jesus for making them new, for giving them a hope. In every language, in every culture, Jesus is writing his love letter again and again and again. For 2,000 years, God's passion has been that this letter is meant for the whole world. Secretly in house churches in China, in marbled cathedrals in Italy, in an outdoor amphitheater in Nicaragua, under a bridge a couple miles from here, and yes, in this middle school auditorium. All around the world, Jesus is meeting as the church gathers, and God is there writing this letter. It's crossed ethnic barriers, language barriers, economic and racial barriers. This is the letter for the world. But for us, now is our time. Now is our time to have this letter be written in and through us, to share this letter to Austin. I want to give you guys a picture of what I'm, what I'm talking about, of what the church could be. Just like Paul had to reach out for a picture, I want to share a picture with you. of This is something that I, when I see, I think of what the church could be. It's from my favorite movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne, I want to set up, a, set up the, the context for this scene. Andy Dufresne was, uh, he was wrongfully incarcerated, and while he was there in prison, he's just this change agent. He's just making change happen. And in this scene, he, he just received, after pestering the local officials to make a library in the prison, he finally gets books and records, and he's finally left alone to start putting together the library. And the officer here, unfortunately, goes to the restroom. So sorry for the, non -sacrili the, the sacrilegious moment we're about to have here by seeing someone using the restroom. It's about to happen. Get ready. But when in this moment, uh, when this officer steps away, Andy Dufresne sees an opportunity. So let's watch the clip. That's a picture of what the church can and I think should be. When I see this scene, I think of the church, that our life as a church could be like a song given to this world. It could be like a letter experienced in this world where people could hear it and it would stop them in their tracks. It would be like, like a little bird flapped into a cage, a cage of misery, of despair, of confusion, of doubt, wondering what the purpose of their existence is. And all of a sudden, this letter comes in, this song comes in, and it's like for a second that they have been set free. That is the purpose of the church. That is why we are here. That although it maybe won't make sense at, at first, they, their soul would ache and they would wonder why. And then we would get to talk about who Jesus is for them. 
that they too could be brought into this letter, that this letter is meant for them too. So for us, for our church, how do we sing? Like, how, how do we write our letter? I love the description of what the first church was like. After Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave, God's people were waiting in Jerusalem, and then this beautiful thing happened where God's spirit was given to his people. God's presence was given to his people. And people over many languages and nationalities, they experienced God's unique presence. And the church was born. This is what happens in Acts 2, and we find this in verse 44. This is, this is the expression of what happens when the church was born. When God's presence was within the church, this was the outcome, the overflow of what happened. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Like there was no mine versus yours. They shared everything. Their experience of community was radical. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Like people were set free from greed and were moved to compassion and generosity. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together, every day in the temple courts. This is like the religious center of the day. This was public. So they were gathering in public, but then they also broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The church knew what each other's living room looked like, like they smoked brisket together, like they, they loved to be together. And they, verse 47, they praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. So I'm sure when they, people ask them, what comes to mind when you think of the church? It wasn't hypocrisy and judgment. It wasn't all these ne- negative statements. They had favor. Like the, the watching world was like, I don't know, but it looks great. <laughs> like it, it, it's like something I would want to be a part of. They had favor. And I'm saying that because the very last verse, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think when the church starts acting like this with generosity, compassion, and a sense of community, Austin will want in. The Lord will add to their number daily those who are being saved. Why? Because when we start living like this, Jesus' letter is being displayed clearly. This is the letter. The beginning of the church was radically communal. The experience of Jesus was not just me and Jesus, right? It was, it was me and my community are experiencing Jesus. And I think in our global world of connection, where we are more connected than any time before, there's this weird sense of loneliness that people are experiencing. Did you know in January, Britain appointed its first minister for loneliness, like an actual governmental position, to manage the issue of loneliness in their society. Uh, The Prime Minister, Minister Theresa May, called it a sad reality of modern life. (laughs) Like our world's looking around going, man, people are more lonely now. And I think this has crept into our spiritual life, that many of us have privatized our faith. We have privatized our relationship with Jesus, that we have said it can just be Jesus and me. The church is too too complicated, too funky, too messy. I'll just go it alone. But the private spiritual life was never God's intention. This is why the church exists. Like, we, we actually need each other. In Genesis 2, when God created uh, man, there was perfect relationship between God and man, and God looked at creation and said, something's not right. In, in Genesis 2, 18, it's, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. But wait, God, like, 
Adam had perfect relationship with you. Like, are you saying that you're not enough? Are you saying like, like there's, there's something needed, something more? The reality is that God created us to have spiritual companionship, not only with him, but also with one another. That's the point of the church. To help uh, uh, display this, Christy, would you mind coming up? I asked Christy to share the, her experience of the church. Would you all welcome Christy, please? Hi, Christy. Good morning. Okay, so Chrissy, how did you, uh, how long have you been a part of this, this community? Over two years now. Two years, okay. Not quite from the beginning, but over two right years. Right there, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you missed the, the, the weird part then. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to have you here. I didn't we, miss all the weird parts. Yeah, no, it's so weird, <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, uh, we, we love you being a part of this community, Christy. Would you share what this, what God's call to be the church has meant to you as of lately? Um, I love being a part of this community because I feel like it's, it's a way to do life together. And uh, we share each other's um, burdens and challenges as well as each other's celebrations. And um, in part, for me, more specifically recently, uh, I fostered two girls over uh, the course of eight months over the past year. And this community was amazing during that time. And I guess um, I realize that even more now because I am working to try to rally support for a, a new foster family. And uh, it's hard to get people to help sometimes because I think we're a society that we're very busy and we're hesitant to make commitments. So uh, it just made me even more just overwhelmed with gratitude for the way that this community supported me through that uh, journey. And I had my Vine group showing up with meals uh, every week, which was a great night of the week to come because that was the busy night when we came home from the CPS office after family visits. But it's just even more than the, the physical provision of a meal because it's, it's about people showing up and, and walking through life with me and supporting me and cheering me on. And that made a huge impact both to me and to the girls that I was fostering. Um, it's, it's beautiful to have someone who uh, will pray with me both through uh, the tough times and through the joys and celebrations. Um, I had uh, several of you praying with me all the way through to when the girls were placed with their forever family and they will be adopted by the end of this year, hopefully, uh, with two loving parents. So that was just a beautiful way that you all embraced uh, not only me, but the girls that I brought into this family. Um, and you literally embraced them on Sundays. Um, you learned their names. And when we would see a member of this community outside of the church context, outside of the Sunday morning, they would get so excited because they felt that sense of community as well which was beautiful, and I hope that that being a part of a community of faith is something that stays with them wherever they uh, may go in life. So um, I've been so blessed by this community. Uh, the youngest of the two girls uh, was in the Vine Kids program. So out of that, uh, I have now um, volunteered to work with the Vine Kids program next year, and I will be the first to admit that I was slow to volunteer for that because I am busy and slow to commit to things. But um, I think we're blessed to be a blessing. And so I was so beautifully served by that, and my family was so beautifully served by that, that I want to give back. And um, what I have found in this community is that, uh, you know, out of gratitude for what God has done, we, we serve each other, and we love on each other. And so the more that I try to love and serve, the more I am loved and served in return. It's like I can't ever get ahead. <laughs> and I think that's how community is meant to be. 
So whether that's um, serving through Vine Kids or ushering or serving communion or, or what have you, um, which by the way, we were short one on ushering. So somebody got an unexpected <laughs> blessing this morning when they got to jump in. Um, so it, it's just, it's an amazing blessing and I'm so grateful for this community. Will you guys thank Christy for me? Thank you guys for being the letter of Jesus written not only to Christy, but those girls that the watching world, I mean, I, I know for me when I, when I would see that, that's the kind of community I want to be a part of. And I know I'm, no, I'm not alone. So as we enter into this fall season, I just want to challenge you guys to lean in, to lean in with the anticipation of what God wants to do in and through our church. Here are three quick challenges I want to give you. Of course, lean in could mean be a part of a vine group, or it could mean serving or that kind of thing. But there's a couple different things that we could do as a community. The first one is to deepen our experience community is I want to challenge you to gather with expectation. As we gather and worship in our small groups, do we actually expect an encounter with God? Did you expect one when you gathered today? For whatever reason, God loves it when we anticipate and expect to meet with him. God loves to show up when we're watching. And I think it's critical for us to have deeper experiences with God, with God to have an expectation for it. You know, there's actually a type of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent that people would read and they would sing on the way to the temple in Jerusalem. The whole section of your psalms in the Bible is all about preparing yourself to encounter God. And what a beautiful expression for us. And I think once we learn to anticipate God in this place, we'll learn to anticipate God in the rest of life. The second challenge I'd like to gather for you uh, give you is to gather for others. The sake of our gathering is not for ourselves. We have the consumer mindset already given to us in the rest of our life. What if we had a more sacred, set apart, different approach to coming to, uh, to worship? I actually have a friend. Uh, their family loves to get together after church, and they rank zero to ten how the sermon was. I, I actually I know a family that does that. And, and I know they're not alone. We all do that, right? But what would we miss out on if we, if we just make it just about ourselves? If we miss out on opportunities because the communion was a little stale today, the worship leader dressed down a little too much for my taste. <laughs> Maybe a couple more hymns would be nice to sound a little echoey. Pastor a little pasty for my taste. <laughs> When we gather for ourselves, we miss out the opportunity to be there for other people. When I look at the first church, they gathered for each other. They poured themselves out for each other. Hebrews 10, 20, uh, 10, 24, and 25 say this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. They gathered not for themselves, but for each other. I had a picture of this a couple weeks ago in worship, and I'm sure the sermon wasn't great. The worship, I'm sure, was awesome. But at the very end of the service, uh, I noticed a, a, a woman who was there. She's a single mother. She was there for the first time, and she was deeply affected by, by the worship for whatever reason that day. And I, I was just my, I was so delighted to see uh, our friend Liza see her noticed that she was deeply affected, and then just slid next to her, sat down next to her at the end of the service, 
And I loved, I don't know what their conversation was, but I loved just seeing her hold her hand and pray with her. I loved seeing her get out her phone and swap phone numbers. I love that Liza wasn't distracted by the subpar sermon that maybe was given on that day. And the reason I love that is because maybe that opportunity would have missed out. Because I don't know if the letter of Christ came that day to this woman through the message or through worship, but I know the letter of Christ came through Liza. And that one might have been missed out if she had gathered for herself. So we gather for others. That's the way we were going to deepen our community. This is who we are as a church. And lastly, we gather to go. We gather in this place so that we can be sent out. That worship and community is the fuel that drives why we go into the Austin. Why why we go and serve this community. This gathering of God's people is not an end of itself, but we remember who we are so that we can go and be the letter for Christ in this world. A couple weeks ago, a church member gave a message and had us practice breathing. You can practice now if you'd like to. I'd encourage it. I'd encourage you not stopping breathing. Uh, But in in doing that, he reminded us that we breathe 20,000 times a day. And he asked the simple question, what's more important, inhaling or exhaling? Well, it's a silly question, of course. We have to do one to do the other. For us to exist in this world as a letter from Jesus, we must learn to breathe deeply in, to give time and attention to let God's Spirit nurture us and care for us, to to renew us so that when we go into this world, we're ready, we're fueled, we remember who we are, and we remember who God is. You know, a major part of this church's identity is to serve, to go, and to exhale. To do that, you have to make it a priority to be a part of a deep community You can't spiritually survive by exhaling. You must prioritize prayer, prioritize gathering as God's people, living and encouraging relationships, meeting with God in this place. So friends, as we enter into this fall, just breathe deeply in God's spirit. Remember who he is and what he wants to write in this, and then breathe out. This fall, we're going to go. We're going to serve our community. We're going to love Austin well. Why? It's the letter of Jesus. It's who he is. It's who we are. Will you stand and worship?